Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Welcome back from your Thanksgiving slumber. We have a lot to get into today. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That's where you can hear us. That's how you can get in touch with us. Also, every email that we get, go to sportscarton.com. I try to answer personally. Also, you want to get in touch with us on social media, of course, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. We're going to get into a lot today. I know everybody is anxiously awaiting the return of Deshaun Watson. It, it's almost something that is just so unbelievably unique to this time, right? The, the time where we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen a situation where a team... That is, let's just be honest, Browns fans, out of the playoffs against another team that has been out of the playoffs for a while in the Houston Texans with almost zero watching appeal is going to garner me speaking about it right away, right? I mean, it's going to garner a ton of attention. Now, NFL Network and NFL programs probably going to steer away from it as, look, they, they should, but it is a conversation piece for sure. As far as the sports betting landscape goes, I think we're going to get into that right away as well because when you talk about this team and you talk about this situation you got to worry about the distractions but we will get into Deshaun I think we have a possible Super Bowl matchup here very potentially the San Francisco 49ers will face the Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl no I didn't mean the Vikings and the Jets but I know some people are going down that road yeah we have that to talk about we have New England trying to kind of say, you know what, this division's not done yet. Buffalo trying to show, hey, Josh Allen isn't done yet either. We could sit back and look at that. We have Bears. We have Packers. And as of right now, we don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers against Justin Fields, which everybody wants, or if it's going to be Trevor Simeon against Jordan Love. That's possible as well. Tom Brady's on Monday Night Football. So we have a lot to get into. Oh, by the way, Bengals Chiefs. Yeah, that would be the game of the week any other week, and I had to make that a by-the-way type of game. What about Titans-Eagles? Couldn't that be a Super Bowl? I mean, this week is jam-packed of great games, which is usually not good for sports bettors. Great games are not, hey, they might be exciting, they might get your heart racing, but they're not usually good for sports bettors. A couple of things about you know, nuggets about these, this uh, season that we're looking at right now. Home underdogs right now of more than a touchdown. They're 7-0 and against the spread. A lot of teams right now have the opportunity to cash those totals. If you've listened to this show, you know we'll be cashing the Eagles team total over. I got it at 9, 9.5. It was 10 at some sports. Whatever it is, if they win, they're going over. The Vikings, same thing. Win, they're going over. Washington can go over. The Giants can go over. So one of those two will. And the Saints, they could clinch their under if anybody was jumping on the under. I don't want to just look at that and say, yeah, the unders. When we also look at this, we're coming off of uh, 10 days rest, three games, which means six teams coming back from Thanksgiving, which means there's 10-day rest. That's a lot of time. It's almost like a bye week, but do you deal with it as a bye week? Well, not really. Teams with more than a full week rest, which is obviously eight days or more, against teams with less than a full week's rest over a 20-year time period, they're 15 games under 500 against the spread. So people tend to kind of go into the rest more than they should. But we will get into that as well. Now, normally I go right into the Thursday night game. I'm going to hold off there because I think that Deshaun Watson, and not that he deserves the attention, but I think that that game deserves the, the top billing just because it's such a unique situation. And I think from a sports betting angle, 
it has everyone scratching their head because we have no idea. Let's be honest. We're not the only ones. We have no idea. The fans in Cleveland have no idea. The fans in Houston have no idea. The defense of Houston has no idea. The head coach of Houston has no idea. The offensive linemen, the quarterbacks, everybody, everybody, everybody in Cleveland, they have nobody knows. And guess what? Deshaun Watson doesn't know. Nobody knows what it means to return from an 11-game suspension and then walk into this kind of situation. Nobody knows how he's going to react after seven hundred days being his last regular season game. Nobody knows how it's going to be to go back to the city where 20 plus women have accused you. Nobody knows what it's going to be like other than Michael Vick to walk into the stadium and be picketed in this manner. Nobody knows how you're going to react to that. Right? I mean, this is what what I keep hearing from people that are betting on this game is well, you know what, uh, it, Deshaun's going to come back, he's going to be angry, uh, uh, well, or, or uh, you know, he's going to be this, he's going to... You don't know. I assume there's going to be rust. Look, Watson's last start came January 3rd, 2021. His last win was back in November in 2020. Okay? We're talking about two years off. Two years off. More than two years off. I mean, he's got to be a little bit rusty, right? But he does get a team... Look. Forget about the outside stuff, which is disgusting in my stomach, in the pit of my stomach, the schedule maker, whoever was the schedule for him to come back, not the schedule, not the guy that makes the schedule before the year, for whoever decided to come back in Houston in front of these women, it's disgusting. It's a dis- In the pit of my stomach, it's disgusting. But from a sports betting standpoint, could he have faced a better team? I mean, could he have faced a better team? Yeah, Damian Pierce is a nice player, but the Texans have averaged 28 and a half rushing yards over the last two games. They can't even run the ball. This this team is just flat out bad. I mean, they are just bad right now. They've lost six straight games straight up. Each one of those six losses by more than a touchdown, a touchdown or more. The Texans are 5-19 and one straight up the last 25 games at home, so there's no home field advantage there. They have one win at home in the last 13 games. Yeah, Texans, you might be in Texas, but Texas doesn't like you. The Texans are 9-34 and one straight up since 2020, okay? I mean, it just gets bad. And now you go on to talk about the, the Browns. Well, look, they they were pretty decent under Jacoby Brissett because Jacoby Brissett was okay. So 5-5-1 five, five, and one against the spread, even though they were 4-7 uh, and seven straight up. Their, their defense was a lot of the problem. 7-4 and four to the over, okay? And you look at the Browns, they've lost their last eight road games. So they haven't done well on the road. But how bad are the Texans? And you look at this number, and you look at this spread, and you go, okay, it's more than a touchdown now. And it's rising here, guys. I think that the Cleveland Browns are getting more attention because they are so much better here. But I do think that there's that contrarian person that goes, I don't care what he did if he's going to make me money, which I get. But understand that Kevin Stefanski has a hard time covering spreads. Kevin Stefanski also is in a spot where He's going to try to get this team ready for something. and Because it's not just Deshaun Watson. It's the entire team. He's trying to get this entire team ready for something that they can't even attempt to prepare for. There started to be a little bit of a groove with David Njoku and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Of course, Armari Cooper have looked really good. Nick Chubb's going to look good no matter what. But now you throw Deshaun Watson in there, a guy that hasn't thrown a pass in a regular season game in two years. And you you just you're you think that everything's gonna be just perfectly fine? I I, I got another thing coming for you, man. I think that he's gonna be rusty. I, I do. I don't know if Houston can take advantage of that, but do not expect Deshaun Watson to come back, look crisp and, and all great. I, I, and you know what? I'm rooting again. I'm actively rooting against that. Because I wanna see him struggle. I wanna see him suck because I it's disgusting what he did. And it's disgusting that they're coming back in Houston this way. All right, let's go to the Thursday night game, which I usually do go to. Buffalo, five-and-a-half-point favorites against the Patriots. And, you know, if you would have told me in the beginning of the year that in this week, as good as—look, I like the Patriots. As good as I thought the Patriots would be, that I would be getting under a touchdown or giving under a touchdown with the Buffalo Bills, I would have gone, yeah, all day long. Advance line me, all that. Bills had extra time off. They got the 10 days, which we just gave the stat on that, right? The Bills— uh, didn't look good against the Lions, but they got another win. Josh Allen hasn't looked good in a month, but they got another win. Buffalo's actually 5-5-1 five, five, against the spread. New England, you look at New England, and what they are built on is home field advantage, really good coaching, and the running game. Well, Buffalo's won two straight years at Gillette. 
So take that away, right? New England's also averaged just about 71 rushing yards over the last three games. That has suddenly come to a halt. That's a problem. The Bills have beaten the Patriots both times in Foxborough, and they've won three straight on the road in New England the last time they did that, 92-93, if they win here, right? It's a weird situation that Belichick is playing on his heels against Josh Allen. Josh Allen played really well against the Patriots. He's 4-1 and one over the last five years. All of a sudden, he's the guy. He's the elixir. He's the reason why they're playing well. But the Bills play well on the road anyway, right? I mean, they generally do. Allen on Thursday Night Football is 2-1 and one straight up, 2-0 and one, two and oh against the spread. And you look at the Bills and you go, okay, they have some defensive problems because of injuries, but they are starting to get healthy. It's now a weird question we're asking, and that is, how effective is Josh Allen going to be? I mean, that's what we're asking. How effective? He's looked vulnerable for the first time this year. He's tied in the NFL lead with 11 interceptions. By the way, it was 25-1 to 1 to lead the league in interceptions before the year. 25-1, to 1, yeah, and now he leads the league. He's not having a good year. You can't say that he is. But he was on an MVP face. Am I betting against him to get off of that? No, I'm really not. You also look at... Bill Belichick, look, he's got rest too. And we know how Bill is off of a bye week. Well, but what about with some rest, right? How is Bill Belichick with rest? Well, you know, you look at at how he's done over his career. I think, forget about the rest. How about as an underdog? He's only 10 and 9 straight up as an underdog, 13 and 6 against the spread with the Patriots. Uh, That's not that great, right? The Patriots, though, their defense is absolutely, absolutely coming around. You look at the what they did against the Bears, and they lost that game, weirdly, just a total loss. Well, after that, they've allowed six total points in the last two home games against the Jets and the Colts. Matthew Judon leads the NFL with 13 sacks. You look at what they've done, and it's a complete overhaul of their team, their team mindset, and they are looking really good right now. The Patriots are playing their best football, you can argue, over the last month. The Buffalo Bills are playing their worst football that they've played Maybe in a couple of years. And let's be honest, with the way that Mac Jones has looked at times, especially against Minnesota, you can argue that the Patriots are in the best stretch for a couple of years now. And I don't think anybody's giving you any pushback if you say that the Buffalo Bills are in their worst stretch for a couple of years now. So you do have two very different teams. Look, on one side of the coin here, you have Bill Belichick with extra rest at home, Top 10 defense. This defense is looking great. You know, you can run on them a little bit, but you can't really pass on them. And Josh Allen looks bad. On the other side, Buffalo's still the better team. Buffalo's still a much, the much better team. And by the way, Josh Allen had looked better last week. Maybe it wasn't all an injury. Maybe a 10 days rest is going to get him even healthier. And maybe, well, you know what? His success against Bill Belichick carries over. There is two sides to this coin. How about Pittsburgh, Atlanta? It's about a one, one and a half point spread. Atlanta is the home favorite here. The Falcons have lost three or four games after their offense was hanging in there and looking pretty good. They run the ball effectively. Mariota looked okay. A lot of that had to do with scrambling, but he looked okay. Well, the offense absolutely has hit just an absolute screeching halt. They've averaged 18 points per game over the last month. That is terrible. Now, Pittsburgh's coming off of the short week, which is a really tough spot. They're also playing consecutive road games, which is a tough spot. They're also outside the division on a short week, playing consecutive road games. In a sports betting world, those are really tough things to get over. But you do have Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin on short rest is above 500 in his career. Mike Tomlin, as an underdog, just is great. I mean, look, he's he, Mike Tomlin from week five on hits 70% of his games. I mean, he's great, but he doesn't usually do well in December when they, by the way, are usually favorites, but they don't do well in December, but it's up to Marcus Mariota. Can he get back to what Mar- Marcus Mariota had been? Uh, they were 6-0. and The Falcons were rolling, making money, printing money for everybody. Ever since then, 1-5 against the spread. The market has corrected, and I wonder if this line is an indication of the market correcting. Things that we have to keep an eye on here is Najee Harris, who was playing really well. He had 90-plus yards back-to-back weeks, and last week kind of went down. But Benny Snell looked good. So was it Najee Harris that we have to be concerned about and worried about, or is this a case of, wait a minute, hold on, the Steelers have finally found out how to run block, and they're going to be effective run blockers. I think that the Steelers' offense has been become a gelled unit. I think they're much better, and I think that they work well with the downfield, uh-oh, the threat of Pickens and, you know, Kenny Pickett to Pickens. I think Kenny Pickett helps. I think that this offense is definitely better, but it's a lot to ask to go into Atlanta and win that game. 
although Atlanta has not looked good. This has the makings of like 17-14 written all over it. Denver, Baltimore, eight-point spread for the Ravens. The Ravens, here we go. Look, the Ravens just in the fourth quarter have been abysmal this year. The Ravens, I saw a stat that was sent to me by my, my, my buddy Tim in Vegas um, that said that the Ravens le- have trailed the least of any team in the NFL. They just keep giving it away late. I mean, that's what they do. They just give it away late. But look, after each one of their three losses this year, they've come back and won the game, right? So so you can look at that, and they've come back and won the game. The Ravens' offense has not looked good. They're slow. They're sloppy, but they are kind of getting better. J.K. Dobbins probably won't be back for this one, but he's come off the IR, so now his 21-day window is open. Mark Andrews has looked better. Duvernay looks like, I mean, he wasn't hurt, but he looks like the surprise guy that you're using. Gus Edwards looked good. Maybe this team is finally gelling, and it's not going to be hard to gel defensively, but offensively it might. Look, the Broncos have averaged just 12 points per game in the last three losses. And that's even worse than what they've been. They are terrible, okay? But their defense is really good. They have had turnover problems recently, though. The Broncos, they are just bad, though. They are just really bad. And they're playing consecutive road games, which I just talked about, is a rough one. The Broncos, though, you want to make some money on them? They're 10-1 and to the under. Um, and you just you look back and you go, yeah, this team, they're scoring 14 points per game. They're dead last in scoring. Dead last in scoring. But the third in scoring defense at 17. If there was ever an under, this is it. It's set at 38 and a half, and I think that it should be even lower than that. Russell Wilson, if you want some positives, look, when he goes to the East Coast, he does well. He's got a, a, a almost a 10.9 game over 500 when he goes to East. All right, there you go. But that's with Seattle. I mean, really putting any credit back in that. No, we're not. What I am saying is that, look, the under hits at almost an 80% clip dating back to last season and the last uh, 28 games for the Broncos. It's unbelievable how under this team goes. You look at the Denver Broncos and you go, they scored 14 touchdowns all season long. Denver can't move the ball. I worry about Jackson in this game against this really tough Denver defense. And the Ravens haven't won and covered a game since November of last year. That's eight straight games. They don't do well at home for whatever reason. So, uh, you know, if there's any game here that you're looking at, the under and the Denver under cash cow might be it. But did they overcorrect here with a 38 and a half line? Green Bay, Chicago. Well, like I said, I can't speak intelligently about this. Right now, Green Bay's a small favorite. Who are the quarterbacks in this game? Right? Is it going to be Fields? Is it going to be Rodgers? Uh, is it going to be Nate Peterman? Is it going to be Jordan Love? Is it going to be Trevor Simeon? Is it going to be me? Am I suiting up for this one? I don't know. It might happen. Listen, Justin Fields said he wants to play. He respects the rivalry. Last week, they said, oh, yeah, we're not we're not going to let Justin Fields play. And then he warmed up, and then he practiced, and eventually it was a game-time decision. Aaron Rodgers has said, well, he told Pat McAfee this week, yeah, I want to play. I feel good I'm going to try to play. Well, we'll see about that because, again, I don't trust either one of these quarterbacks getting the red light or the green light, I'm sorry. And why would you not put a red light on a Green Bay team that's going nowhere and a Chicago Bears team that's going nowhere? doesn't make any sense. What we do know is that neither one of these defenses are going to be able to stop the run. So it's going to be David Montgomery, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Chicago's allowed 154 rushing yards over the last two weeks in the Packers. Actually, uh, a 225 and a half. It's unbelievable. Everybody can run. If I'm if I'm playing quarterback, don't worry. I'm going to hand the ball off. The Bears' offense has been bad without fields. They can they're being run on, but they can't run without him. They've scored 10 points uh, when he's not in there. I mean, it's just it's a bad situation. Both of these defenses, like I said, are bad. But who are the quarterbacks? If I knew Rodgers and Fields were in here, this might be one of my biggest overs of the year. I mean, I it really, but both of them are banged up. So I shouldn't even say that because even if they were in there, I don't trust that either one of them are 100%. Rodgers, though, if he is 100%, look, he owns Chicago. When he said, and it pains me to say it, but when he said, I own Chicago, he owns Chicago, right? I mean, he does. He's 22-7 and seven against the spread against them, 24-5 and five straight up against the Bears, and that's including the playoffs. He's won and covered each one of the last seven meetings versus Chicago. I mean, in Chicago, he's 11-1 and one against the spread. The guy just beats up on the Chicago Bears. The Bears, you look at it and you go, oh, the Bears are just a bad football team on the defensive side. Why would Rodgers not have a great situation? They lost five straight games. 
Uh, right? I mean, you have six games that have gone over the total, but they've lost five. Why? Because they can't do anything. The most rushing yards in the NFL, the Chicago Bears with uh, 2,300, over 2,300 rushing yards. Yeah, but the Bears are bad on defense. They got rid of Roquan Smith. They got rid of Robert Quinn. Even if Jordan Love's in here, they're going to score some points on the Bears just because anybody can score the points on the Bears. But the Bears, you can't bet on the total here unless you know Fields is in. If Fields is in here, Okay, he's got a shoulder injury. Do you think he runs as much? Look, I think that is a large part of his game, and I think he's going to have to run to be an effective piece of this. So here we go. A lot of quarterback questions again, not as much as last week, a lot of quarterback questions, but I think there's a lot of questions that we can't answer right now. Can't answer about Fields right now. Can't answer about Rodgers right now, and I don't know even after the game if we're going to be able to answer about Deshaun Watson because that's such a weird situation. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When I get back, lots more stuff to do, including two huge games that could be Super Bowl previews. All that and more right after this on Wagering Week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? Okay, guys, let's take a look at what are the odds and what are the odds for Offensive Player of the Year. Remember, this is very different than MVP. We haven't had a running back or a wide receiver win an MVP in a very long time. A wide receiver, never. Tight ends, never. Guys like that, they just don't get it. But Offensive Player of the Year, yeah, here we go. Justin Jefferson, plus 250. Tyreek Hill is 3-1. to one. Jalen Hurts, plus 220. 320. Patrick Mahomes is 10 to 1. Josh Jacobs 16 to 1. Travis Kelsey 16 to 1. And Stephon Diggs is 18 to 1. And that is what are the odds? And you know, there's so many things that we talk about over the course of, of the season, over the course of the uh, offseason and whatnot. And one of the conversations that we always get into, and people always ask me, is oh, who do you like for the long shot for the MVP? You know, who, who's the MVP? And I try to explain to them never take anybody but a quarterback. Never. Just in the recent couple of years, we've watched Cooper Cup and Michael Thomas have just mind-blowingly, record-breaking, greatest season of all time type of wide receiver numbers. They barely got a sniff for the MVP. Just in the last couple of years, we watched Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey have all-world, put them up there with the greatest running backs of all time type of numbers. And you know what? They don't get MVP votes. It just doesn't happen, or they don't win the MVP. They don't get enough votes. It just doesn't happen, guys, because it's a quarterback game. Everybody knows it's all about the quarterbacks. We've had Aaron Rodgers the last two years, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson before that, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan before that, Cam Newton before that, Aaron Rodgers again, Peyton Manning. You got to go back to 2012 with Adrian Peterson. Then you had Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Then Lodanian Tomlinson, 2006. Sean Alexander, 2005, which was pretty crazy. But again, different world. Manning, McNair, Manning, Gannon, uh, Warner, Falk, 2000. Uh, Warner, Terrell Davis, Barry Sanders in a different world. Then you got Favre three times, Young, Emmitt Smith. So you have a couple of running backs kind of sprinkled in. Notice I didn't say a tight end. Notice I didn't say a tight end. Notice I did not say a defensive player, Alan Page, 1971. Notice, I didn't, by the way, 1982, a kicker one. Notice, I didn't say a linebacker, 1986, the last time that happened. Cornerback has never won. A safety has never won. A wide receiver has never won. A tight end has never won. But you can win player of the year. And these guys that I just mentioned, the player of the year award is something that you're looking at. So, when you're betting on future plays, it doesn't have to be the MVP. Bet on bet on player of the year if you like a guy like a Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. Right now, who would I put my money on? Look, Stephon Diggs is the underrated guy, but you know that he's not going to get the credit that he deserves because he's with Josh Allen, so he's not going to be there. 
Travis Kelsey, very much the same thing. We've watched tremendously insane kind of years, and the argument can be made that he is the most valuable player, uh, but certainly for Offensive Player of the Year. But Mahomes would get it, and look, Mahomes' numbers right now, as far as the betting, he's 10-1, to Kelsey's 16-1. to Mahomes is probably the odds-on favorite to win the MVP, right up there with Jalen Hurts. So you're kind of in the realm of Jefferson or Tyreek Hill, I think Tua is going to get MVP votes, so that might take away, which means he'll also get Offensive Player of the Year votes. That might take away from Tyreek. The Jalen Waddle factor will take away from Tyreek. Justin Jefferson plus 250, that looks great, guys. It looks fantastic. Uh, and Austin Eckler might be able to squeeze his way back in here. But I think the guy to watch is Josh Jacobs. Look, we know that if McDaniel ever just decided to go with Josh Jacobs, he could put up Offensive Player of the Year and MVP type of numbers. He could finish with 1,500 yards. He could finish... Uh, you know, with five, six hundred yards receiving, he can he can absolutely be there. Do I think he will be? No, I I don't. I don't think he's the guy. But at sixteen to one, uh, it's somebody to throw throw some coin on. To me, it's Patrick Mahomes. Ten to one odds. Patrick Mahomes late schedule that looks like he can light it up if they get the number one overall seed. He's got a cast of characters. The narrative is written that Tyreek Hill left and he can really do it. I mean, you know. Justin Jefferson's a good front runner right now. And you look at Tyreek Hill, he's a good number two. But I think that there's going to be some voters that will go for Patrick Mahomes. And at 10 to 1 odds, I just like the odds a little bit better right now. All right, let's go right back into the games now. The Detroit Lions still have a chance at the playoffs. That's right. And they will be at home as about a one point underdog against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, this is, it's surprising. Detroit's got to win out, right? But you can't look too far ahead. Oh, do, do the coach speak. Got to take one one game at a time, and they got to win this game. But Detroit has been really impressive. Let's just be honest. Uh, you know, you look at the Detroit Lions, and over the course of the season, they've really had some ups and downs. They have had a, a real situation where the Detroit Lions are um, a, a public Billy bet team because of the offense. Then their defense started playing well the last couple of games. Swift has been banged up. They're missing their big guys in Brown and whatnot. But they've been a fun team really for two years now. And they've been a covering team. Jacksonville has never been a covering team. But they looked fun last week, didn't they? And Trevor Lawrence gave us a glimpse. During a guy's first year, you, you kind of look for spots where you say, okay, that's the talent. During a guy's second year, you want glimpses. Glimpses of not a throw here or there, not a read here or there, uh, but a series or a defining moment. This might have been Trevor Lawrence's bounce uh, bounce back you know, from a bad first year under Urban Meyer, but this might have been his coming out party as far as elite quarterback. I mean, he looked elite with two minutes to go or under two minutes to go against Baltimore Ravens driving it downfield. He was precise, but that entire game, he looked pretty good to be honest, but he was precise. He was good. Jacksonville. Look, they're two and five in games decided by seven points or less. Uh, they have won the last two though. And we did speak about that about three weeks ago where I said, it's going to start to correct. And it has the Jaguars. They don't play well on the road. They're one and four straight up on the road. We're going to get into bad stuff. I mean, Detroit's also two and five in games decided by seven points or less when they play close games. Neither one of these teams quite know quote unquote, how to win. That's what it is. But getting back to Trevor Lawrence, look over his last three games, Trevor Lawrence has six touchdowns, 815 yards, and no interceptions. Sounds like an all-star to me, right? Sounds like a Pro Bowl. Sounds like that guy that just is wow. Absolutely wow. But the Jaguars are 5-14 and 14 against the spread last 19. How do you trust it? Trevor Lawrence is 7-21 and 21 straight up and 9-19 and 19 against the spread in his career. I'm a guy that consistently bets the Jaguars, seemingly loses with the tra- Jaguars, and that's the, the way it is. But you look at what the Jaguars are, and it's hard to trust this team. It really is. They lost 19 consecutive straight-up games against the NFC, right? I mean, they, they just don't do well. Since 2012, they have four wins and 44 chances against the NFC. They only covered eight of those games. They just don't do well in these spots. But Lawrence gave us a glimpse. But Trevor Lawrence gave us a glimpse, right? And it looks like ETN's going to be okay for this one. But they gave us a glimpse. The Lions, meanwhile, they've covered in four straight games. Uh, you go back all the way back to 2018, last time they covered in five straight. The Lions have looked good. The Lions defense has looked better. It's all of a sudden better. By the way, if this line shifts, because we've seen it go down from one and a half to one, sort of at a half in some spots. If this line shifts to the hometown Lions, they would be favorites. They have not covered as a favorite since 2020 against Washington. Uh, they haven't been favorites in 26 straight games. 
So that could be an interesting thing to kind of pay attention to when we get closer and we start to have a conversation about, you know, the Lions maybe flipping over, right? The Lions maybe tipping the scale and getting to that mark. Let's go to another team inside that North Division, and you look at the Minnesota Vikings coming off of a really good Thanksgiving game for the offense, but defensively, we have not seen Mac Jones play like that maybe in his entire career. And the Minnesota Vikings look made him look like not even a competent quarterback. I was going to say competent quarterback, not even a competent quarterback, but a really good quarterback. So I do have questions about this Vikings defense. They take on the Jets. They're a three-point favorite at home. The Jets, all the good feelings are there. Mike White's back, and here he is. He's the savior. I write an article uh, <laughs> with SportsGarden.com, and um, I write it for a, a publication in New York that goes out. It's a real newspaper. It's not just one of these online things. And I talked about how Mike White's not the answer. Right? He's just not the answer, and I got a lot of push, uh, pushback from Jeff fans. Oh, you don't know that. No, you don't. You're right. I don't know that. And last year, Davis Mills uh, was not the answer for Houston, and we didn't know that. I mean, there, there are certain guys. Look, Mike White is fun, but he's not the long-term answer. With that being said, he's got something working right now, and I mentioned this last week. Look, when Mike White took over last year, threw for 400 yards against Cincinnati and won that game, the team celebrated it like it was the greatest accomplishment of all time. Why? They didn't like Wilson. Now Mike White goes out there. He's got every Jet fan. He's got everybody in the Jets locker room pumped up. This does last for a little while, and it could last here against Minnesota. But when push comes to shove, Mike White on the road against the Minnesota Vikings, a, a team that people are talking about the Super Bowl, I, I don't love it. The Jets, uh, you look at the New York Jets, and they've got a lot of running back issues. First of all, they lost Brees Hall. Second of all, you know, their, their backup is not going to play in this one. And you can look at Zovan, who, by the way, is a great name, and, and Ty, and look at the backfield. James Robinson was a healthy scratch. They're having trouble finding consistency in the running game. But the Jets are scoring. The Jets was their third game with 30 points and 450 total yards of offense in the last four years. Mike White started all three games. Mike White has looked good, right? He know he has looked good out there. But it was against the Bears, guys, right? I mean, it was against the Bears. We have talked endlessly about how bad the Bears' defense is, and it was against the Bears. And as good as the Jets are, and everybody's loving this New York Jets team, they're 5-4 against the spread as an underdog, so it's better, but that's it's still 5-4. and four. Now, you look at the Bears. They are tied for last in the NFL with sacks. The Vikings come in, they have 29. They have almost double the amount of sacks as the Bears. It's going to be a different kind of animal out there. New York Jets on the road, 4-1 and one against the spread. That's pretty nice, right? Mike Mike White, he's averaging 28 points per game, but he's got four starts. How much do we put in? To me, this is the first real test for them. It's their first real, real test. The Vikings, we mentioned it earlier, you could go over that preseason total that I gave you, everybody. Look, I, I, I think we are already at a push, um, so it could tip over, but a lot of people got 9.5, so, so I want to mention that. And now you talk about the Kirk Cousins factor, right? And Kirk Cousins is what he is. Kirk Cousins a 500 quarterback. Kirk Cousins was 37-37-2 against the spread with the Vikings, with Washington. He was two games over 500. That's who he is. But if there's a time where Kirk Cousins does well, it's the 1 p.m. starts. 12 games over 500 at 1 p.m. We know he doesn't do well on Monday Night Football. We know he doesn't do well on Sunday Night Football. But he also doesn't do well in 4 o'clock games either. The one matchup that I am just pumped up to get into, and we just talked about um, uh, Justin Jefferson, maybe Offensive Player of the Year. Sauce Gardner against Justin Jefferson is going to be a real interesting matchup because we go back to the Kirk Cousins factor, and we go back to really, you know, the head coach and what are they going to do. You want to force feed and just go completely after Justin Jefferson, who's having an absolutely insane year, right? Offensive Player of the Year, front runner. We will go over it again. He's having an insane year, and you want to force it to him. But you need to go through your progressions, Kirk Cousins, and not force it in this spot. This should be a Dalvin Cook game. And you go, well, you can't really run on the Jets. Yeah, you can. Dalvin Cook will have success here. You also have to look at this, and you have to say, well, what about a TJ Hawkinson having a big game? What about Adam Thielen? Because Sauce Gardner has proven he can go up against the best in this league, and he could effectively shut them down. I don't know if you ever shut anybody down anymore, but he could effectively slow them down. Look, Sauce Gardner has gone through. This is not just hype, guys. Last year, I called out a couple of guys in their rookie year, Diggs in Dallas with all the interceptions. I said, interceptions are a fluke. They are. It's a fluky number. But what Sauce is doing is not fluky. He is shutting teams down. Okay? He's shutting number one receivers down. He's already faced off against Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and Jamar Chase. 
Okay? Can we argue that outside of Cooper Cup, and and Cooper Cup is, is banged up. So right now, Tyreek Hill is after Justin Jefferson. I would say Justin Jefferson, then Tyreek, Jamar, and Stephon. They're in the top five. So he's faced three of the top five guys. In three of the, in those matchups, those guys average 56 yards per game. 56 yards per game. So even if Jefferson has a better performance than guys that I think are on the same level as him, even if he has a better performance, what do you expect, 75, 80 yards? That's not going to get it done. You need more than that to get the win. Let's go to the crosstown here, New York Giants. They are all underdog at home in the division. That is always an interesting take, and it's a one-and-a-half-point favorite for Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders. Both of the teams would be in the playoffs right now. Both of them would because the Washington Commanders have won six of seven. They've won three straight. They are running the ball all day, every day, very effectively, right up the gut, whether it be Antonio Gibson, whether it be Brian Robinson. They are having a really good time running it, and their defense has stepped up. You can't just say it's Heineke, who has been great. Okay, Washington is 5-1 and one without Heineke. But it's their defense has really, really stepped up. You look at now the New York Giants. They've had offensive problems. New York, look, they've lost three of the last four. We knew that the slipper was going to fall off here, right? They've lost three of the last four. But they failed to reach 100 yards rushing in each one of those losses. So what, what the teams are doing are they are stacking the box. And they're saying, forget about Saquon Barkley. You're, there's no way. You're going to feed him. We're going to stop him. We are going to just design a game plan. Find someone else. Is it going to be Darius Slayton? Is it going to be Bellinger who might come back this week? Uh, Daniel Jones, we're putting it on you. Because Taylor Heineke, he's been un- unbelievable, and he's going to have to be kept up with. Taylor Heineke is 11-2-1 against the spread of the last 14 starts. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, that, that's, that's pretty amazing. And you look at Washington, how what they're doing, 8-1 and one to the under. These games are just low-scoring, tight division games against the Giants. It makes sense that it would do it again. It makes sense that it would. By the way, nobody believed in this commander's team. They could go over their win total of seven and a half with this win. And Ron Rivera, he was almost on the hot seat at that point, right? I mean, Ron Rivera was almost on the hot seat, and now all of a sudden he looks good. The the Giants need to be talked about for a moment, though, because the Giants are also underdog, uh, unders all day long. Giants unders are 16-2 and in the last 18 games. Well, that's pretty big. Daniel Jones at home, 18-7 and to the under. The Giants want to play tight. The Giants want to play close. The Giants want a low-scoring running game, and Washington is more than happy to oblige that. I don't know if I could lay the one-and-a-half on the road in the division game, but I lean Washington. What I do like here is the under. It's another game where I just don't think you could set the under low enough. It's another one of those Denver Bronco games where you give me a low number, I still think I could go under that number. Now, we are going to talk about what what teams might be a Super Bowl preview. Well, Tennessee and Philadelphia very well could be. Before you start doubting the Titans, they were the number one overall seed last week or last year, and they've looked good. The Philadelphia Eagles, best team in football for a lot of the season. They're giving five and a half to the Titans here. Now, you could go with the, the subplot here is going to be the A.J. Brown situation. Uh, he left uh, from Tennessee to the Philadelphia, and he's made a big difference. He hasn't played overly great recently, but... He's been good. Look, the Titans, they have maybe a fraudulent schedule. Maybe. And I've heard that. The Eagles certainly do. And they've been exposed for their early week schedule. But they're still a good team. The Titans, they played five teams this season that have a winning record. They're 1-4 and four in those games. So you could say, oh, it's fraudulent. But, look, they could have won a couple of those games. One of them was a missed field goal at the, end of the time, uh, uh, at the end of the game. The other one, they went into overtime with Kansas City. The other one, there was a penalty last week where I fully believe that they could have came down the field and won that game. So I'm not sure. What I do know is this, is that if there's a team out there that absolutely can just frustrate and completely and utterly take the Eagles out of their game plan, it's this Titans team. The Titans are the type of team that will absolutely destroy the Eagles' big Super Bowl hopes if they ever meet up because they can run. We've mentioned time and time again, I've mentioned it to you guys, how the Eagles are just bad. They are just bad right now defending the rush. They can't do it. And the Eagles, by the way, um, they have the third best rushing total in the league. And you look at this, you go, oh, yeah, averaging 162.5 rushing yards per game. A lot of that is Jalen Hurts, by the way. Tennessee, though, only 85 rushing yards per game this year. They're one of the best run defenses. Oh, here we go. Actually, the Titans have actually been the best team 
in certain spots. Since week two, they're giving up 70 rushing yards per game. That's pretty fantastic. Now, you look at what the Eagles did last week, 363 yards. Jalen Hurts, 150-plus yards. It was unbelievable. The Titans, they've given up 349 yards in five straight games here combined. It's going to be Derrick Henry, and it's going to be just stop that defense. Then there's the Vrabel angle. There is no coach in the NFL ever, ever, that is a better underdog than Mike Vrabel. Since coming in at 2018, and I mentioned this on my Wanted Bet show, Tennessee has been an underdog of three points or more 28 times. He's 19-9 and in those spots. Vrabel is fantastic. Vrabel and Tannehill together are 11-5-1 against the spread after a loss. He bounces back. Vrabel is a really good coach. The under has cashed in 7-8 last eight Titans games, so you think it's going to be a close, low-scoring type of game. But the Eagles in their 11 home games, overs 10-1. I see there's only one ba- way to bet this game. I think you have to just believe in Vrabel. Um, you have to believe. You stay away from the total. You have to believe in Vrabel. Or you stay away from this game. I don't know if you can lay the five and a half here and feel confident with the Philadelphia Eagles, as good as they are. And I think that they're not getting as much respect. I think that you have to go that way. Let's talk about Seattle and the Rams. Seattle's given five and a half in this game. Look, Matthew Stafford's out. Cooper Cup is out. Um, it looks like it's going to be Bryce Perkins probably uh, running the show. Allen Robinson is out. So, yeah, Bryce Perkins, you have a Van Jefferson. Uh, look, this is just a it's a bad situation uh, for, for them. You, you, you can turn it around however you want. By the way, Kenneth Walker, Offensive Rookie of the Year, he's at minus 190. He was 25 to 1 yard uh, odds. And now you have, uh, look, Geno Smith has got to bounce back. He had his worst game. People were expecting him to kind of fall off. He had the worst game that he's had that we've ever seen this year. And can he bounce back? I don't know. Because Pete Carroll is terrible. One in six against the spread against Sean McVay. That's that's bad. Now, Pete Carroll's also four and seven uh, against the spread against McVay in his entire coaching career against, you know, McVay's situation. And we're talking about um, uh, against the spread against uh, McVay, who just doesn't cover usually. He's just not that guy. He's kind of like not as bad as Shanahan, but yeah. But you could say this is a different Rams team. I get it. This is a spot where we're going to find out a lot about Seattle. We're going to find a lot about about Seattle. Are they for real? Or, or are they not for real? Is this Seattle Seahawks team a team that could go into the playoffs and, and be, uh-oh, be that that wow kind of factor? Or are they the kind of team that you go, all right, they had a nice little run. We're going to find out. We're going to find out right now because they had a bad game against, against Tampa they, before the their break in Germany. And then they come back and they had a bad game against the Raiders. All right, that's all in the future. Now let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. future. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future. Going to take a look at the Rams. The Super Bowl odds opened up. They were the favorites in the NFC. As of week seven, they were 20 to one. It then went to 25 to one, 40 to one, 50 to one, 80 to one. And if you like the Rams to win the Super Bowl this year, well, I got to. I ain't got a bridge to sell you, but it's 500 to one. Yeah, the Rams have been bad this year, but it's been, it's been like basically historically bad. I mean, it really is. Uh, they are absolutely atrocious. They are the, the worst at covering a, a, the spread this year of seven or more points. That's the worst in the uh, the entire league. They've lost five straight games. That's the longest losing streak on the McVay. The Rams are 3-7-1 uh, and one against the spread. That is the worst for a defending Super Bowl champion since the Eagles started 3-8 and eight in 2018. They're 3-9-1 against the spread the last 13 games going. You go back to last season, um, and, and it's just, I mean, it is ridiculous. And look, they are, let's put a positive spin on it. They're the most positive team. If you bet it against the Rams, they're the most profitable team that is out there. So you have that going for it. We have a divisional matchup, Chargers-Raiders. Chargers are two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Raiders. Look, the Chargers won a crazy game in week one between these two. The Raiders, though, they've won two in a row overall. Raiders are three and one against the spread as underdogs this season. Um, The last two that these two met went into overtime. It was absolutely crazy. And you look at Justin Herbert. He's going to be the focus here. Last two games, he's gone earned 609 total yards. That's what he's thrown for. Five touchdowns, but he's been intercepted in six straight games. That's the longest streak of his young career. Justin Herbert's going to start getting some people questioning him if he doesn't really turn it on and make the playoffs this year. Look, in his career, he's a game under 500. 
He's 23 and 20 against the spread. You look at what the Chargers are, and that's the they're they're the head scratching. We don't understand this kind of team. You look at Allegiant Stadium, though, hey, it looks like there's going to be a lot of points. And the over-under for this game is 50-and-a-half. The last three Chargers Raider games have gone over. They scored 50, 57, and 67 points in the last three. So that means something here. I think a lot of this has to do with is Jacobs going to be back or is he not? I mean, is Jacobs going to be back? If he's back, they could run the ball, and I don't love sitting here and taking the Chargers, but I think the Chargers are the better team. Best game on the board for my money is San Francisco giving four points against Miami. McDaniels and the offense for Miami, oh, here we go, against his old coach. They're starting running back. They stole from them, and uh, San Francisco could really use him right now. He's coming home against Shannon. Miami's won five straight games. San Francisco's won four straight games. A lot of people are thinking, hey, this is Dan Marino against Joe Montana. I mean, this looks like the Super Bowl we wish we had in the 80s. All of a sudden, people talking about this maybe being the Super Bowl here. The Niners' defense, they have not given up a point in the last four second halves of games. Guys, that's insane. They've outscored their opponents 57 and nothing in the second half of the last four games. That is halftime adjustments right there. But the Dolphins are a different animal. The Dolphins passing attack is second in the NFL at nearly 292 yards per game. You also have to look at the idea that Miami, while they're really good, they did lose to Ron Armstead. And last week, Tua got sacked four times after he left. Now he's going up against Nick Bosa. That's advantage Niners. But how about this? The schedule just says that the Niners have had it a little easy, guys. The schedule makers have looked this. The Niners have had the number one easy schedule in the NFL right now. Up until now, who they've beat, they have a combined winning percentage of under 4 40%, 40%, 3.397. No other team is even at 420. The Dolphins, by the way, 496, nearly 500. So they are much better in that spot. The Dolphins are 16 and 4 straight up the last 20 games. They're doing well, and it's Tua, right? I mean, Tua in his career is almost a 70% against the spread. Tua in South Beach is 12 and 4 against the spread. He loves playing at home. When you look at Tua, yeah, this is what he does. You can. Talk to me about Jimmy Garoppolo, and a lot of people are talking about Jimmy Garoppolo as he is a home you know, favorite here. Kyle Shanahan is a terrible favorite, 21-28, and 28, fifth worst since 2017. But it's all about Tua, and if they can protect him against Nick Bosa, I think we are really going to see the Miami futures bet skyrocket, really skyrocket. Right now, the Niners are down to 6-1 to one to win the Super Bowl, and people are jumping all over that. And you look at what Miami is— you could get to the Miami Dolphins at 12 to 1. That really is interesting. If that if they beat San Francisco, they're going to be single digits. And if San Francisco loses to Miami, they go from 6 to 1 maybe to 8 to 1 or 9 to 1. They might actually kind of flip-flop. It would be close to a flip-flop. The other really good game that people talk about this week, Kansas City Cincinnati. Chiefs are about a 3-point favorite on the road in Cincinnati. Jamar Chase, we don't know if he's going to play or not, but it sounded this week like he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to play. But even without him, hey, they've been playing really well, and Joe Burrow's been playing really well. But last year, uh, Jamar Chase, 266 receiving yards. (laughs) Yeah, that was insane. The Chiefs, they're 3-1 as a road favorite, but they're not a good covering team, as we know. Now, we go back to last season. Everyone's going to look at that. The Bengals were down by 18 in a game. They came back and won uh, during the regular season. They trailed by 14. They came back and won. Joe Burrow has been absolutely stellar against the Chiefs. Burrow has just under 350 passing yards per game, six touchdowns, one interception in their two games against the Chiefs. Mahomes, not so good. 267 yards per game, 5-2 to two interception ratio. That's a problem. And the Chiefs, they have struggled against the pass this year, right? I mean, they, they have had their issues. They've surrendered more than 230 yards per game through the air in all 12 games this year. So Burrow is going to have time to pick them apart. Burrow is a guy that has elevated his game when he sees Mahomes. He's elevated his game in big spots. He's done that since his college career. And this is what they're going to need here. I look at this and I go, you know, look, I know that the Chiefs don't cover. Chiefs are the better team here. I just, look, they're the better team. But there is a weird situation that they can't stop Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati team. And if they get up, Burrow and Cincinnati have shown that they could come back. Let's go to the night game. Indianapolis-Dallas is open at 8.5 or 9. It's up over 11 now in some spots. Look, Dallas is averaging 170 yards rushing each of the last four games. It's Pollard. It's Elliott. There's plenty of room for both of them. Cowboys are on a 10-day rest. Colts are coming off a Monday night. It's a complete mismatch when you're talking about rest. But Matt Ryan and the Colts, 
Listen, Ryan is 20-8 and eight against the spread when he's on short rest. That is second to only Tom Brady. I mean, that, that is fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry, to Phillip Rivers. That, that is absolutely fantastic. The Colts are a team that are getting their kind of groove. We want to run the ball. We don't want to do anything special. And, and Dallas is running the ball well. Colts have gone under in 14 of the last 17 games. But the Cowboys, look, Dak Prescott's at home. And at home in primetime, he's 10-6 and six against the spread, 12-4 and four overall. You look at Dak Prescott being at home. He's second to only Brady. This is where that comes in. At 55% against the spread in this kind of spot. All right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And now you have Prescott. But is it about Dallas, Dallas, uh, uh, Dak Prescott? Or this is about the Dallas running game with Pollard and Elliott? Yeah, that's what I think it is. Look, you have one team on 10 days rest. We gave the number earlier. It's not the where-all, be-all, but the other team's on a short rest. I don't like this spread at all. I didn't like that it crossed the main number. I could have taken it at 8.5 or 9. I don't like that it's up over the 10 spot. Monday Night Football, Tampa Bay against, you know, look, the New Orleans Saints. And I say, yeah, you know, I need to take a second because every single great in history had their problems, right? Achilles had the heel. I mean, you know, we know it. Samson had uh, his hair. Well, Tom Brady has got the Saints. I mean, that's just really what it is. Uh, In the last three years, the Saints have beaten Tom Brady six straight times. Now, Tristan Wirfs is out for this game. That's a problem. Tom Brady with the Bucs has been fantastic. We know that, although he's 3-7-1 against the spread this year. Tom Brady on Monday Night Football, 19-8 straight up, 15-11 against the spread. Oh, that's fantastic. But he's faced the Saints three times in primetime. He's 0-3, failed to cover the spread. All three times. Over the last 20 years, Tom Brady on extra rest, 15 games over 500. Yeah, that's pretty good. Fewest rushing yards in the league for the NFL? Yeah, it's the Bucs. So you're not going to be able to run here. What this is all going to be about is what can the Saints do? It is Tom Brady can't beat the Saints, but Andy Dalton can't play on primetime. Everybody talks about Kirk Cousins' primetime. How about primetime Andy Dalton, which is just a terrible thing. Andy Dalton in his career is 6-20 and 20 in primetime. 6-20, and 20, guys. On Monday Night Football, he's 2-7 and seven straight up, 3-6 and six against the spread. They were just shut out last week. Now, teams coming off of a shutout do hit 70% against the spread. What do you believe? What do you believe here, guys? Do you believe um, that Tom Brady and the magic of Brady uh, being on Monday night is better than Andy Dalton and and those problems? But it is the Saints, and you got to look at those matchups. All right, guys, enjoy the week. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.